It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, this is the Basser Hour. We got um, our technician here got mixed up on the buttons. <laughs> I think you read the wrong <laughs> intro. That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> but anyway, welcome right. on this this uh, sixth day of uh, my God, it's it's October. It's October already. Right. Sixth day of October, two thousand and fifteen. I just can't believe how this time passes. But anyway, we're here with our uh, our uh, well, our host uh, Jay Basser. Uh, uh, I'll be the co-host today. We take turn about, uh, in case you didn't know. Uh, this is his turn. So, uh, John, uh, you want to introduce the guest? Yes, yes. I apologize for the uh, finger button there on the blog talk. Got a pretty complicated control panel. And, uh, when you get my age, the the visibility is uh, limited as far as uh, seeing correctly. So, um, today. It's a special show. Uh, we have a couple of guests on here that uh, we've had one on before on the regular Haddock show, but uh, today's guest is uh, Ed Smith and Bill Sheka. And uh, Bill's, I guess both are down there in Texas, and uh, Bill's been a guest before a couple of years ago on the show, and uh, he's had some issues and some, some claimed success. And uh, Ed is, uh, he's, Ed's with, uh, I guess it's called Majesty Outdoors. That, that's that's a group that he's with. Uh, he does a lot of good stuff for children. Uh, Ed's working on some stuff right now for uh, some exposed veterans. Uh, it's all kind of in the planning stages. You know, there's, you know it's uh, it's going to be some type of documentary, but it's it's nowhere near completion. But, uh, you know, Ed's going to come on and explain to us, you know, what he's doing. And uh, so, Ed, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, John, and I yeah. really appreciate the opportunity to uh, get on here and uh, talk about um uh, the issues that some of our veterans are are dealing with, and I just appreciate uh, the opportunity that you and Gerald are giving uh, me and and Bill to to uh, be on with you today. Thank you very much. Kind of give us some background, Ed, of uh, of, of what you you know what you do and uh, situations like that. I mean, I read your bio, which is really really impressive. I mean, it's uh, and I kind of and it kind of. Makes me feel good to see a person of your stature, just you know, just even just even be involved with this. So, uh, kind of give us a, give us a rundown on your background. Sure, uh, I've been in television for better than thirty years. Most of that has been in uh, Christian television, uh, and uh, about seven years ago, I began to work with a gentleman by the name of Bill Blodgett. Um, he's been a professional fisherman for. A number of years before uh, we started the show, he was raised without a, a father, uh, and uh, he wanted to pay it back. And so he came to me about starting a television show, and uh, he wanted to call it Majesty Outdoors. And the idea is that we take fatherless teenagers, both boys and girls, hunting and fishing, and for many of them, it is the very first time that they've ever had the opportunity to fish or hunt 
And so for them, it is truly an exciting adventure. But we don't just stop there. Each one of our participants that, that are on the show, when they graduate from high school, they are given the opportunity to uh, use a scholarship provided by Majesty Outdoors and all of those that support us. They uh, have the opportunity to, to get that scholarship, whether it be for a, a four-year college or a technical school. We try to do our best to help them get that education. Uh, we also have uh, a, a branch of uh, our foundation. We are a 501c3, and one branch of our foundation is called Generation Outdoors. Uh, we have shortened it uh, to an acronym, GO. So GO is basically uh, a mentoring program uh, in churches all around the country. Uh, we go in, we train uh, the lay people in, in the churches to mentor fatherless uh, children and to give them opportunities to be outdoors, uh, hunting, fishing, uh, but even more than that, just spending time with them and try to show them a good example of what um, you know uh, 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 a person in our society should be. Uh, just be a good example to them. Uh, I've also um, spent some time with another organization uh, based in San Antonio, Texas, called Military Warrior Support Foundation. Uh, retired Lieutenant General Leroy Sisko uh, is the founder of that organization, and uh, he and the executive director, Ken Eakes, have been very good friends of mine for oh, eight or nine years, I guess now. They do a tremendous work uh, for our wounded uh, warriors. Uh, so my heart uh, really uh, connected with Bill uh, Shika, when he contacted me uh, through our friend, mutual friend, Bill Blodgett, who started Majesty Outdoors. Uh, both Bills attend the church here in, in Corpus Christi. I uh, was living in uh, uh, San Antonio uh, at the time. And uh, so when I spoke with Bill, uh, I just really had a heart for uh, helping him and helping uh, our veterans in some way. And so we have uh, been uh, in the early stages of working on a documentary uh, about Bill's life, but more than that, um, about the uh, tremendous struggle that he has gone through trying to get uh, our government, the, the Veterans Administration, to do what they told him and all of our veterans they would do. And um, I'm just uh, uh, excited to be a part of it. I never uh, was in the service myself. My father and I had two uncles that were in the service, the Korean War. Um, but I never uh, was in the service myself, was never against it. But I, um, I just didn't take that opportunity to, to be in the service. And uh, and yet I have a tremendous appreciation for our veterans and their families and all that they've gone through. And so for me, this is just a little bit of something that I can do to show that appreciation and to pay back, if that's ever possible, uh, our veterans to uh, help them, uh, you know, uh, overcome uh, these struggles that they're facing. So. That's a little bit of the background on me, and I'm sure I've missed something, but if you have any questions, I'll be glad to try to answer them. 
That's that's really good. I mean, thank you for what you do. I mean, you don't have to be a veteran to be to be involved. And uh, in this situation, uh, you know, involvement's a big issue. It's key. Um, we've had a lot of folks uh, in the past, you know, that have ideas and stuff, and they want to do certain things. But there's always things that hold them back. Uh, a lot of it is not knowing uh, or having the proper contacts in order to put something like this together. Uh, you know, you just about have to be in the production business or or know people too, just to even get something on the ground, you know, get off the ground. Fortunately, I've dabbled a little bit myself in the in the business, I guess we can say. <laughs> and uh, you know, it all takes uh, credibility. It takes a person that you know can put it together. You always have to have a good subject matter, good story, uh, chemical exposure. To our veterans is a very, very, very good story, uh, especially the folks that were involved in, you know, the projects one, you know, project one twelve. Uh, I'd like to kind of focus this more or less on the um, boots on the grounds fact. You know, they probably had Project Shad too, and it was a shipboard, you know, situation. But you know, not enough time or enough consideration is given to the guys in the Army that were actually exposed at Fort Greeley and, uh, you know, when elk hunt and the, and the other test. But uh, the VA needs to step up and take care of these guys. Uh, you know, it's been too long, and there's too much confusion between the VA and DOD, and they're always going back and forth, and all the veterans' claims that are involved are always getting shoved back to the AMC or swept under the rug sent back to the judge and they just pass them back and forth like a football it's time something's done about it i agree uh, it's uh it's past time uh and yeah. i know i'm talking to the choir but uh it is past time and a number of people have have made valiant efforts to uh to help the veterans and um I'm going to do my best, uh, Bill and I together. Uh, we like we just said uh, we've we've just started. We've uh, uh, made some, uh, recorded some interviews, uh, recorded Bill's uh, testimony. Uh, we've uh, recorded uh, Bill's uh, heart surgery uh, for the documentary, um, and uh, we've talked to uh, his attorney. We have talked to uh, doctors. Uh, we have talked to several other veterans who are, are dealing with uh, similar issues, and so we're we're really just getting started. And and one of the reasons that I'm so excited about being on your radio show is that uh, I hope that uh, through all of your listeners, we can uh, acquire the names of other uh, service personnel who have uh, served at some of these bases where they have been exposed to the various chemicals, the biological and nuclear uh, uh, radiation, um, because these are, are, are people that, that are not getting the kind of benefits that, say, a, a Vietnam veteran who went to Vietnam, uh, it's a presumptive that if they were there exposed to the Agent Orange, then, then it's not a, uh, as difficult an issue to get their... Uh, their uh, their medical needs met, but for someone like Bill and others that have been at these uh, bases, they too have been exposed. But uh, the government is not uh, ready to 
make uh, those claims uh, available to them. And so uh, we're hoping that through our time on the radio uh, program today, uh, we can uh, you know gain some more names of people that have uh, been to these bases and that are dealing with these health issues. So uh, I really want to put that out uh, you know right away that um, that's what we're anxious to to acquire from our opportunity here on the radio. Uh, so if uh, you know if people know of uh, anyone that uh, ever served at these bases, uh, that if they would contact us, we will do our best to follow up and, uh, uh, you know, hear their story and see if there's something we can do to, to help all of these these uh, service personnel. Ed, why don't you go ahead and leave us your contact information when we get it on the air. If folks listen to, it, listen to the archive can uh, write it down and maybe you can get some, uh, you'll get some success that way. Okay. The best way to get in touch with me, I think, would be uh, on my uh, email. Um, I realize that not all of our veterans have computers, uh, but that would be the best way. And that address is just ed, the numbers 58smith at gmail.com. Again, ed58smith at gmail.com. And my phone number is area code 210-317-1375. You know, Ed, Bill, it makes a good read uh, once a person looks up the information about Fort Greeley. And uh, you see all kinds of stuff on the Internet about it, you know, especially, uh, you know, they did environmental studies and they also did studies. I was seeing the latest one was the release of that uh, Portable nuclear reactor they had, which is a looks to me like a Keystone Cop uh, Chinese fire drill from the day they put it together. <laughs> I mean, Very much so. <laughs> that sucker about imploded, and you, you know, just about melted down. It leaked. Uh, water ran in. Is it was it Jarvis Creek, Bill? That they said the, uh, the water ran into. Yeah, the uh, the Jarvis Creek. Uh, was where the pipeline for the nuclear waste ran from the reactor into the uh, Jarvis Creek, and the uh, okay. all kind of major problems from that, of course. Now, that was that the cooling source for the reactor itself? Was the creek? Well, they—I'm um, not sure if it was a cooling source, but it was certainly a dumping ground. All right. And um, the uh, well, they. Uh, uh, they run it through the poles first. Uh, they heated the poles for Greeley with it. Uh, the water off the uh, reactor, uh, because it come out of that reactor hot, and they used it because I know people that lived there on post at the time, and uh, they was telling me about drying their clothes, their kids' clothes on the radiators, uh, no time steam radiators that they used to have, and uh, uh, so they run it through there, and then that went out to somehow it got right routed out through Jarvis Creek, but they was actually heating the post with it, so uh, you can imagine the sick people. 
was uh, living there, Fort Greeley, that, uh, which I have a list of some of them that, that is already, you know, passed on shortly afterwards. But, uh, it was quite a deal. But they did, yeah, I think Bill's right, they did drain it off into Jarvis Creek eventually. It became a, a major problem because the EPA got involved and they were dumping it in there and they got involved in the, oh, right around 69 or 70 and they ended up uh, forcing them to stop doing it. Of course, the, they did have to pay fines uh, and everything and that they did have to stop, but then the the next thing that came up is how are we going to get rid of the nuclear waste? So what they did then, they uh, they did steam the radioactive waste, and then they used an injection well. And uh, uh, I have all of those documents, uh, of course, and uh, some of them may still be on had it, but we're going to try to get everything else put up. But I have such a monumental... Uh, record library of all of the problems at Fort Greeley. It's been a kind of a life project over the last eight or ten years, and uh, we will be putting more up on on the uh, on the contaminates. But they, nonetheless, they did start steaming it, and the problem that they ran into was that the radioactive material went into the groundwater, into the ground source. So now you've got a real problem. You're radiating. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's at low levels or high levels. It's none of it is any good for anyone. And uh, the people downstream, uh, their water supply in Toke Junction and Tetlin, Alaska, just south of the fort, about roughly 100 miles, now their number of miscarriages uh, triples and they're starting to develop uh, weird cancers on the population, and it's a small population. And, of course, you have an, a Native Indian uh, population down there, the Athabascans, and now they're starting to have problems. So uh, it, it it just got out of hand. Uh, the, the reactor was finally decommissioned. Uh, I was there when the reactor went down. And I can assure you, what is being put out is decommissioned, is not everything that happened. And I have never seen more armed troops, the low boys that showed up with the concrete cylinders uh, on, the, on them with the nuclear radiation symbols, and soldiers I've never seen before, and certainly not part of Fort Greeley or Northern Warfare Training Center or Arctic Test Center or Headquarters Company, no, they were not assigned. They were from somewhere else, and we had some very high-ranking officials, Atomic Energy Commission people, and they just invaded our post. Uh, uh, they had uh, weapons, so I guess the fear of somebody uh, stealing the rod cells and everything by getting their hands on that was of concern, but Everything was out of there, and they tr tried to pump the cement to it, and now the thing is off limits. Uh, the concern they have now, 
uh, was uh, and is trying to keep the structure together from crumbling and cracking and falling. Because if it does, we're going to have another major league uh, problem with radiation. They already do. So uh, that, it's a mess. And uh, if it's not a mess, it'll do till the mess gets here, right? That's what I heard one, uh, one sheriff at a movie say. But um, that's just one of the problems with Fort, with Fort Greeley. Uh, everybody there has been radiated. If you were there from especially the years about 1968 or 69 until present, because the reactor is still there, and it's still giving off low uh, levels of radiation, but over periods of time, we don't know which person is going to be affected greater than another. Uh, I I had been complaining of a of a pain in my neck on the left side for 20 years, constant pain, never goes away, irritating, just enough to make you know it's there and Sometimes can't sleep well. Well, the VA kept telling me we, you know, we can't find anything wrong, and it finally showed up uh, accidentally in a nuclear lung scan due to the fact that I've got restricted lung disease, COPD, pulmonary fibrosis, and of course pulmonary hypertension, and it showed up in a nuclear uh, lung scan in Audie Murphy Hospital. That made everybody start jumping, and the, within uh, a week or so, I was in Harlingen, Texas, at the VA there to do a sonogram and to back it up. Definitely, no doubt about it. Then they did MRIs on it, and it was on the left side of my neck, just like I told them it was. And then the, back to San Antonio for the uh uh, needle uh, biopsies, which are really no fun, <laughs> and they'll take anywhere from 8 to 12 of them from you. And uh, the the biopsies came back benign, but the tumor is still there, and that's a dead indication of a nuclear uh, exposure to anybody, whether it be civilians or military. That's where it goes. Now, Dr. Bash... Uh, when Ed and I met with Dr. Bash and got some uh, interview film work done with Dr. Bash, Dr. Bash was very upfront, and he told me, you need to be very aware of that tumor. Do not fall asleep with it because you've got to keep your eyes on it and have it checked uh, because this tumor can become malignant at any moment, and any malignant thyroid tumor is dangerous because the cancers start from there go to all of your body they go to every place in your body so you really at that point you'll lose control and you know you you can't treat everything uh they have to specifically treat cancers so um when when i got uh, when i got sick in 1997 i knew there was something wrong i couldn't put my finger on it, but i had an idea and for the next seven or eight years, I went through extensive testing, both neurological testing. Uh, of course, I was, even went when they told me that I had 
peripheral neuropathy in the hands, feet, legs, and arms, uh, and nerve permanent nerve damage. Uh, that was just the start of it. Uh, we, I was having a very rare bowel disease uh, called colitis, which I had at Fort Greeley. That's where I got it. Very well documented in my military records, and uh, that is another radiation caused disease. Uh, the fact that Agent Orange was widely used at the base is well known. It's not a, a hidden secret. There's plenty of documentation on it you can get on the web. So we, we know that that was there. And then when you throw in the VX and sarin gas from Project 112, of which Gerald was the first test, elk hunt, but they've only released about 20 of those classified tests. And of those 20 or uh, so classified tests, there's 3,500 more that they haven't released. So the period that I was there and all the testing, they haven't released those declassified them yet. And um, you do not see a whole lot of pictures from Fort Greeley during those years because it was court-martial offense if they caught you taking pictures on the post. And it's uh, the sign is right there when you came in, uh, to the post out in the middle of nowhere, uh, no photographing of any of the installation. So I, I have very few pictures. Period of Fort Greeley. I only have a few off the base on the reservation. You could take pictures, but not of any of the test sites or uh, that. And they they were pretty adamant about it. But that was the Cold War years, and. We understood where that went. Um, when, I, when I ended up going through this testing, I ended up at the Agent Orange Clinic, which Gerald's familiar with. He's been there, and um, I was diagnosed with Agent Orange uh, uh, after more neurological testing. Um, uh, so I don't have a lack of testing. And the, um, he also explained to me that trichlorobenzo dash D dash dioxin agent orange is also one of the principal ingredients in VX and sarin gas being the trichlorobenzo and a dioxin and it's an organophosphate. You can't tell the difference really. Uh, one of them just has to be in stronger parts per million for the chemical weapons. And uh, when I ended up when we ended up getting through some of this testing and it kept going on and on well, it was finally by 2007, we had conclusive evidence and doctors' opinions, even my VA doctors, were all pointing the fingers at Fort Greeley. Now, I want to bring something, bring something up that's very, very important for the veteran to understand. By far, the most, the hardest claim to win in the VA system is a chemical exposure of any kind. When you mention a chemical exposure, they run. They don't want to talk about it. They don't care where you were at. Vietnam has just barely been accepted, and it took 25 years before the Agent Orange Act protected the veterans that were there, and, and the presumptive list started growing. Of the seven or eight diseases on Agent Orange as a presumptive, I have four of them right now. The VA has not yet awarded any, and they won't under presumptives because I was Fort Greeley, Alaska, and uh, 
during Project 112, and I have to file what is called direct exposure. So the evidence that I had, and the, and the thing I want to bring up is this. The VA does everything they can if they do award a veteran for chemical exposure. They try not to bring up the words Agent Orange, VX, or Sarin, or mustard gas, or nuclear radiation. What they did with me, they came in and the doctor's opinions all had it in there. I'm talking about four or five different, maybe six different VA doctors, and at least four or five doctors uh, that I have that are specialists that that are treating me. And with that, the doctors can say that, and they can say it's as least as likely as not or is the most likely cause, and they can bring it up in their report. And what the VA does, the regional offices, to avoid mentioning those chemicals, they just say, we have reviewed your military medical and medical files, both private and military, and we have uh, the, the examiners agree with the other medical examiners and doctors, both VA and private, and uh, therefore it, uh, and the evidence is in equipoise. And the benefit of a doubt rule gives this award to the veteran, and you are now awarded for whatever. That shows up in most of my awards, and that's what they do. So don't expect to see them just jump up and tell you that they're going to give you for chemical exposures and list them. They just agree with what the doctors say without having to say it. So I want want our veteran community to understand that's just, it's very difficult to get an award that specifically will say that. Uh, I know an award is an award, so you'd be happy about it, but uh, it, it uh, just about, from the regional office standpoint, you'll never hear that. It, you'll just hear an award that they agree with your doctors and they award it. But with the Board of Veteran Appeals and the Court uh, Appeals of Veterans Affairs, the federal court, which is the last step, there is a, a better possibility that you're going to get uh, uh, the words, the the chemicals actually listed in your uh, uh, case. So I wanted to bring well, that up because uh, uh, mine said uh, chemical and biological warfare agents is what uh, my award said on uh, my ears, on my hearing and my tendonitis. Uh, both of them read like that. Uh, Was that from BVA? But they were, they uh, yeah, they uh, don't yeah. don't name any chemicals. They just say it's chemical and biological warfare agents. And so uh, you were at the you were at the Board of Veteran Appeals, and that's what I'm talking about. They they get better as they go along, as you go along through the system. But at the regional yeah. office level, oh my goodness! <laughs> well, tougher. Uh, that's, more than likely, they're not going to say anything. They're going to deny that the regional office. You have to get out there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes, I don't uh, think the regional office wants to make that type of decision, to tell you the truth. 
I think if you've got an exposure claim inside a regional office, you got a denial. Jump on the denial and get it out of there and get to the next step as soon as you can. Well, the reason being, John, is because uh, during these tests and in the process of conducting these tests, they were in direct violation of the Geneva Convention. And uh, uh, so they have a lot to be concerned about. And I'm amazed that Congress, uh, or, you know, only person we can look at um, uh, for relief would be Congress or this, you know, and, and, uh, but they don't want to touch it either because they sat back and let it happen. Yep, you realize now, Gerald, so much time has passed. It is now 2015. Those things happened in the 1960s, so they had to be dreamed up and conjured up probably in the early 60s. The group of people uh, that conjured those, yeah. yeah, those group that conjured them up, I'm sure they're guilty of some major crimes. But what are we going to do, dig them up and shoot them? Yeah, most of them's already deceased. And, uh, That's right. It's time to get it out in the open and... Uh, Let's get our veterans taken care of, you know, with water under the bridge. What are we going to do about it, right? Nobody's going to go to jail. Let's get it done. Yeah, no now, one's it, going to jail now. Well, it, if if Ed and I, uh, and I, I'll tell you what, to give you a little history, Ed and I tried to look at the documentary, and we've become very close friends because of our mutual friends. And I, I just can't tell you how wonderful a group Majesty Outdoors is and what they're doing and how they're changing the hearts, the minds, and the soul and spirits of these young people. You just, it is, I've been, I went to the first fundraiser this year because uh, Bill and Susan Blodgett are friends of mine, go to our church, and that's how I've gotten involved with this. And then we, God got involved and we started praying about it because we couldn't get the documentary going and we just said, you know, we'll let the Lord handle it. Let's just back off, pray about it, see what happens. And it was unbelievable. Doors started opening that we had no idea would be opened. And we just looked at each other and started grinning because it was out. We couldn't do it. And now we've got some really incredible footage from a lot of people and we're not through. And what's going to happen, the story uh, is go- my story is going to get told, and some other veteran stories are going to get told, and we're going to show uh, show that that we as soldiers, you may die from a bullet or a bomb, but let me tell you, you'll die just as quickly from Agent Orange or radiation or chemical weapons too, and it's it's a long suffering process to go through this. And I know it, and my heart bleeds and goes out to these soldiers that are having to go through the fire because I know it firsthand. And um, we're slowly, uh, you know, starting to grasp the importance, and we know that this documentary will go, and we're not worried about where it's going to be shown or who's going to pick it up because we're not controlling it. And when the finished product is done, then the story is going to be told, and I think the American public, there's enough families out there and have lost their loved ones that have died at an early age in a, in a very um, painful, agonizing struggle that they've had with it. And um, 
You know, I would like to make sure that our listeners understand that their body's going to talk to them, and it's going to tell you when it's getting sick. If you are a veteran that has, unfortunately, been exposed to these chemicals and uh, and and such as Agent Orange and nuclear radiation or, and chemical weapons or several others. There's some others now showing up uh, that are causing catastrophic. But you're going to start dealing with problems. Uh, just for instance, I've got uh, peripheral neuropathy of all four extremities. I've got colitis, which is rare bowel disease. I have uh, four lung diseases, including pulmonary hypertension. I have a uh, tumor on my uh, thyroid thanks to radiation. I have a spot on my lung that's due to probably both of them uh, that we're having to monitor, and now I'm at stage three, Agent Orange prostate cancer, and I'm getting ready to uh, get the uh, uh, examination and decision from my doctor on whether we're going to have to head to MD Anderson in Houston if, or if, if I've got it under control. But the main issue, and I also have um, Agent Orange ischemic heart disease, uh, so I've got uh, uh, enough going on. I have a bunch of other problems, but those are the big ones, and those are the ones the veteran needs to be well aware of and, and to watch carefully. Uh, I don't have diabetes uh, type 2, which is a presumptive, but I have the neuropathy, which is supposed to be associated with it. And um, so my my advice to our veterans is listen to your body. Watch your body. Stay on top of it. it these diseases, if left untreated, will kill you. If you don't get pulmonary hypertension taken care of, medication and oxygen, that's all you have for it. So um, I want to tag on to what Bill just said. When we interviewed his attorney, I won't mention her name because we've, we've not been given, I haven't been given permission to use it, but um, but one of the things that, that I asked her about was what about the veteran that is um, retiring or uh, being discharged right now? He doesn't have any health issues. And she said, she said the very the very most important thing they can do is make sure that they have their uh, medical records coming out of the military uh, because they may feel invincible right now. They may feel like you know they have no issues, and I'm, of course, referring to those that, that were not injured uh, in any way but made it through without any, any, any significant injuries. But even those that feel like they have no health issues, they need to make sure that coming out, they have those records, uh, they have hard copies, that uh, it has been reviewed um, by, um, uh, I'm not sure who the person would be, uh, I'm not technically savvy to some of these uh, titles, but anyway, make sure that they have those documents um, and that they are complete. Uh, I would also like to say that um, one of the reasons I believe that Bill Sheka is alive today is his passion for life. Um, he, from the time I talked to him on the phone until today, and all of the things that I've seen him go through, to say nothing of what he went through before I met him, 
he has a very positive attitude about uh, life, um, and he works very hard to stay alive. And um, he his faith in God is extremely strong. And all of those things combined have made him um, to be the positive, uh, ever-smiling person that, that I have known for um, many, many months now. Uh, and so I, I just want to encourage veterans that are listening to do everything they can to keep a positive attitude in spite of everything they're going through, um, that they uh, get uh, heavily involved in uh, their relationship with God, and that they uh, tap in to organizations like Had It uh, to to uh, get some uh, encouragement and some uh, help, both uh, logistically and uh, from a psychological standpoint. Because um, I've seen it firsthand with Bill. He's got to be one of the most positive people I've ever met. In spite of all of the health issues that he's just mentioned, he is um, uh, just incredibly uh, strong in spirit. Um, I went with him to San Antonio last week where he competed uh, the first time in 45 years in uh, uh, the World uh, Skeet Championship. Now, he was uh, riding from station to station in his... uh, electric cart and he had his supportable oxygen tank but he was there and uh, he was very positive he enjoyed himself and I say all of that to say that um, your attitude uh, will make a tremendous difference in your ability to live through all of the issues that uh, you may be facing today. That's a good point, Ed. Good point. <clears throat> That's a dandy point. But, uh, I'd like to see the listeners, if you know anybody in your family that was stationed anywhere near Fort Greeley, Alaska, in the late 60s up to the early 70s, uh, even if they're alive, if they passed away, reach out and contact us. You can go into Had It and you can uh, post a topic. You can PM me. You can PM Gerald. You can even send a private message to Captain Contaminant. He's a Habit member, and uh, you can, you know, reach out and, uh, you know, because these guys have got a really good cause. They've got, uh, you know, they want to show, uh, you know, they want they want to show the story. They, you know, they 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 want to put a face with the actual story itself. Because in the years, not too many years to come, but in in uh, you know, in a few years, it's all going to be a memory. Because these guys are dropping and dying every day. Uh, they've got horrendous, horrendous health problems, especially the guys, you know, that, uh, you know, the guys are actually, that were, you know, involved with the actual test itself. Um, you know, I know a couple of them, uh, you know, we we lose them pretty regularly. Well, who's the last one that left us, Gerald, you know? Uh, Carlos Hope, uh, he passed on. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have quite a few that uh, Passwick, left uh, Joe, Joe Passwick. Um, yeah. Joseph Passwick. Joseph Passwick. Now, yeah. 
uh, he, he sent me before he died. Uh, uh, he sent me a list of some of the people there at Fort Greeley. One of them was uh, he was post commander. He died of prostate cancer in 1968. Colonel uh, M. McFalls. And then uh, Ingram Murphy, she died of breast cancer. She was uh, married to Major Murphy. Paree uh, Ritter, uh, uh, Mrs. Paree Ritter, she died of uh, uh, cancer. She was married to uh, breast cancer. Uh, Mary... Uh, Majorus, she died of breast cancer. She was married to a major there. Uh, Nancy uh, Reholtz, she died of breast cancer. Virginia Walsh, she died of uh, breast cancer. She was um, uh, CW3 Donald Walsh. Donald Walsh, uh, he died of... Uh, Epiglottis cancer spread to his heart. Here's another one, uh, CW3. Uh, these are mainly officers because Joseph was a warrant officer. Uh, CW3, uh, uh, what, Harnan, bladder cancer. Here's a Mary uh, Gibbons, uh, stage four brain she was married to Major Gibbons. Sergeant D. Witt, Clinton, uh, Lombard, Lungbright, uh, skin cancer. Uh, the doctors that they remember were Paul Cole, uh, Robert, uh, and Robert Lockkeep. There was one more, however, they can't remember his name. Now, Joseph Paswick, he had thyroid removed due to bleeding, heart surgery, uh, AAA, uh, two surgeries, paralyzed right diaphragm. Uh, he was a supply officer there at Port Greeley. And uh, he was there when we were. He was probably there when you were, Bill, too. Uh, okay. Uh, his wife's still alive, is she, Gerald? Uh, Joanna's still alive. I talk yeah. to her regularly. You ever talk to her, Bill? No, I haven't. But uh, that's a good contact. Maybe we can visit uh, with her and their, get her online. And, their boy and, uh, died uh, at age 40 of a heart attack due to methadone. He was mistreated for these degenerative disc disease, legs would turn blue when he, he stood. Uh, I wonder if he was misdiagnosed uh, and it wasn't spina bifida. Uh, my son has been recently diagnosed, 18 years old, with spina bifida, which, guess what, is the only disease that they ex the VA has acknowledged definitely <coughs> is transferred to the children from the veteran through the DNA chromosome, and it can go on four yeah. to six generations. So I, that that's a red flag. I, if he died from that, but did he really die from that, or was it was it spina bifida? 
Well, you know, uh, they didn't didn't diagnose it as spinal bifida. Uh, Could have been misdiagnosed. It very possible. Very, very possible. common. And and see, these kids were all raised there at Fort Greeley. Uh, <laughs> I would I would love to see a doctor get involved and really get in there. Maybe Doctor Bash. Let's look at the the radiological reports and MRIs and X-rays and get him to look at it uh, because that's a, you know, the it's just family, like... Uh, 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 the whole family uh, has issues. Uh, most of them had their thyroids taken out and and they've had other issues. But, uh, mm. uh, this kind of reminds me... I did have a larger list and I haven't found it. I think it's on my first computer I had. I'll look further, but this is just a partial list of some of Now, these were officers there at Fort Greeley, and as you know, I think they were using at the time Fort Greeley to generate the reactor there to generate weapon-grade... Plutonium. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They were... They were using that to uh, generate weapons grade, so that was a pretty hot little reactor. And uh, so, well, I can attest to the sicknesses it caused. <laughs> well, I can too. I mean, here's just one letter, uh, uh, and uh, so there's a lot of people, a lot of military personnel, and their families that were affected by this. This monster. Uh, uh, little research will will bear that out. I mean, you know, it's well. The the documentation is out there. You just have to locate it. Right. And some of my documentation is still available on Hadit, and I'm going to try to repost everything because of the format change and everything. We probably lost some. But I'm going to, as I get stronger, I have just gotten out of bed. I was bedridden due to the, my cancer treatments uh, until about a week and a half ago, and I had a miracle happen where a doctor was able to give me some injections where I could at least stand on my feet. And I praise God for a Christian doctor who knew, the, knew what was wrong because the VA didn't. They didn't do anything and wouldn't. And I... Uh, I was able to to get up, and I'm now I'm having uh, a couple of the best days uh, I've had since cancer treatment. So uh, I want to bring something up because um, our veterans they they think our veteran service officers are the way to go, and I, I really was discouraged yesterday morning uh, with the veteran. Uh, uh, I'm, I I don't want to say too much because I've just met him and I told him I would help him. Uh, many of the listeners don't know that I still am doing veteran service work to help our veterans with their claims, and I've got uh, about four veterans I'm working with right now, and this guy will probably be number five. He is, uh, without going into too much detail, let me tell you that he is an uh, uh, officer, one of the leaders of the Vietnam veterans, I'm sorry, the uh, Paralyzed Veterans of America. And I met him when I was just before church. Uh, I went to get a little breakfast and met him uh, and saw that uh, that he had a tattoo uh, that showed uh, uh, Calvary. And uh, he was in Desert Storm, and uh, he was a tanker. 
uh, and he is uh, with the Paralyzed Veterans of America, but now I was uh, talking to him, and he said that he was only at 70%, and he's in a wheelchair. Uh, cannot get out of it. He's got catastrophic problems. He has already had thyroid cancer. They took his thyroid out. I said, I know what that's about. And he said that they have only got him at 70%. Some of the stuff, I said, well, why haven't you got a claim filed for this, this, and this? And who's your VSO? And he explained he didn't never hear of it. I said, you need to be filing for TDIU. At least get your 100% because of your disability and move on, uh, wait for your uh, process to get your schedulers. And he just was lost. He didn't understand it. And I was amazed that we have so many veterans out there who do not understand the claims process and do not uh, understand that your the, the benefits that are there, but they can only be gotten for by a veteran that is very knowledgeable or has knowledgeable reputation, representation to help them. And uh, I, I was amazed. So this will be uh, a new person. I did steer him to had it. Uh, I told him that that would be good. I've got his card, and I'm going to be contacting him this week and visit with him. Uh, and we'll see, see if we can get his uh, going. But my point is there's so many veterans that are just like him that don't understand the VA. They don't understand the process, and uh, the veteran has to at some point get proactive and, and learn the 38 CFRs and has to at some point get good representation that also can understand what the veteran uh, can file for and what he can get if he is uh, service-connected or has service-connected uh, wounds or or uh, diseases that uh, they're going to get. This this young man is, uh, and he's not very old. He was a Desert Storm, but he's not very old, and he's already in a wheelchair and uh, has lost his uh, the scar on his neck from the cancer. Uh, is just part of it. And, uh, uh, of course, that's depleted uranium warheads, and him being a tanker, that's not a hard one to figure out. So I wanted to bring that point up. Uh, Bill, uh, also, uh, we're looking for uh, veterans that were at bases, not just Fort Greeley, but other bases where they've been exposed. So they don't they don't have to have been just at Fort Greeley. We're looking for uh, veterans that have been at bases where there was any type of chemical, yeah. biological, uh, radiological. Uh, Exposure. So I just want to make sure that we're clear about that. Yeah, that's anywhere in the world, by the way. What Ed's talking about. We don't. We don't really care. We exposure is exposure. And exactly. That's what we're wanting to uh, to help our veterans with. Well, I know with Project 112, Chad, they used uh, also used uh, Canada. They used Great Britain. They used Australia. Uh, and it was all over the world. Uh, so um, some of the islands they even used. Uh, there was a lot of talk about Johnson Island, uh, Philippines. Uh, uh, they were just all over the world. 
Fort Jackson. Yeah. Now, <laughs> even in the United States, the continental yep. United States. Well, Alaska was continental then. So, and they intermingled a lot of tests just because they had a certain amount of, a certain group of tests to conduct. If they happened to get ahead, had a schedule, then they would pull tests off of other, other operations. That's the way they did with elk hunt. See, we didn't just do what they had scheduled for Operation Elk Hunt. Um, uh, they pulled up Elkhart 2, which was done in Canada, but we did a lot of the tests right there in Alaska in Elkhart 1 because we got ahead of the schedule. And, uh, and, yeah, but they, they let the records uh, state the way they were, uh, not the way, not actually how the events transpired. They let it the way it was written down. And uh, that's where we come into a lot of these issues. And, and uh, uh, the BA just don't want to, it gives them another way out because, well, we don't. We didn't have that schedule. That was done somewhere else. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what you run into. The uh, Gerald, you know, when you and I, since we know Fort Greeley and everything, but we also we also understand that all these other veterans that even have the same some of the same exposure problems, and they were stationed at other areas. Uh, it doesn't mean that your claim has not got a chance to go through it. You and I both know, and John knows, it takes medical evidence, scientific evidence, and that's how you win your claim. So you, you've got to have your medical and scientific evidence, both military medical records and private medical records together with your VA records. And all of it together, when you start getting the, the, the opinions of the doctors is everything. And you've got to have your doctors uh, looking at it and understanding, and most of them, from my standpoint, I have not really had uh, any problems with any of the VA doctors or private doctors. As a matter of fact, if it hadn't been for a VA doctor, he would I would probably be stuck in a rut somewhere trying to figure this thing out more. But he he had a real good idea of what I was dealing with and immediately got me to neurology uh, was the first set of tests, and then from there we it kept dominoing. And uh, my suggestion to any veteran is please stay aggressive with your hunt uh, for uh, records as well as get your medical doctors involved. Make sure they know what you were uh, probably exposed to and uh, that rules out all of the misconceptions and bad opinions. Uh, it puts the light on the subject matter because it's, it's least as likely as not. It's the best uh, answer to a bad disease. And so when we, when we have our medical records and write uh, medical opinions to be able to treat you, but also to keep you involved in the, 
uh, in your claims file to keep it going. And I will say this. Uh, I couldn't have gotten through this thing without uh, the Lord getting involved in my, uh, not only in my life, but depending upon him to take this. I've given it all to him. These are not my diseases. These are the Lord's, and I can't do anything about it. I'm not going to fuss about it. I've accepted it and moving ahead, and I'm going to not let this stuff rule me. I'm going to be there to help others who, who are not... Um, they're not. They're they're giving up, or they just don't see there any hope. And I'm here to tell you, there not only is hope, but there's victory. And uh, to that's have good. that's uh, really that's a good deal, Bill. Thank you for doing that, buddy. You hang in there, man. Guys, I got some bad news. I don't like <laughs> to be the bearer of bad news, but we are totally and completely out of time. We've got just enough recording left to close the show. I do want to thank you guys for coming on today. I hope we got your message out, and uh, I hope it does provide some uh, good contact information to help you guys further your endeavor. Uh, you know, uh, don't give up thank on you, this John. thing because it's thank a good you, thing. Thank you, John and Gerald. Thank you both. And, uh, hey. I want to thank you. Gerald, I want to thank you for coming on as co-host today, buddy. I do appreciate it. We appreciate you. I want to give a shout-out to Hadit.com. Without Hadit, we'd be, there'd be no radio show. And uh, right. had it as a very, you know, and uh, so with that, this is Jay Basser, and we'll be signing off for now. See ya. You have been listening to the Basser Hour. The Basser Hour is brought to you by Hadit.com. <coughs> Stay tuned next week for another edition of the Basser Hour and the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show. Thanks for listening. John, are you still there? Yeah, I'll call you on the house phone. Okay.